Alrighty. Welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Studios podcast. We are here today with Robert Black Eagle, a dear friend of ours who uh, is the founder and the, uh, the leader of uh, the seventh generation Native American church here in Athens. Um, tell us about your journey in, in uh, starting this church, how it came to be, and how you uh, discovered Rabbit Hole Studios. It's a long story. Strap in. <laughs> Probably goes back to when I was about nine years old. And I grew up in kind of a schizophrenic. I, I de de describe my religious background as somewhat schizophrenic. My mother and all of her family were pretty evangelical, conservative. We were very deeply involved in Southern Baptist tradition and religion. On my father's side, I'm third generation Sicilian. Mm. And uh, my Italian family is very deeply rooted in Roman Catholicism. <clears throat> when my parents met and decided that they wanted to be married, my Italian grandparents pitched a fit, said, oh, you've got to marry in the Catholic Church. My father was the first in our family to marry outside of the church. Mm. This was in a day, fortunately we're not in that day today, but this was a day prior to uh, the Second Vatican Council, which is a major council of the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. which major policy is established. Prior to Vatican II, everything in the church was done in Latin. Mm -hmm. Mass was spoken in Latin. They had very strict rules and regulations about everything. Uh, but my parents had to go through premarital counseling to be married in the Catholic Church. And one of the requirements was they had to sign a paper indicating that they would raise any children born into the marriage in the Catholic faith. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, again, everything was done in Latin. They had a book called the Missal, which you could read along, but my brother and I were little fellows. We couldn't read. Mm -hmm. And in the Catholic Church, which at that time was St. Joseph's Catholic Church right down here in Athens, Georgia, down at the end of Prince Avenue. Mm -hmm. The place was quiet, spooky, the acoustics where you could hear a pen drop and nuns would kind of saunter around like penguins in, in, <laughs> in the church. And my brother and I found it to be rather entertaining. Mm -hmm. They'd ring the bell and people would kneel. They'd ring the bell again and people mm -hmm. would stand and ring the bell three times. And this would happen if you've ever been in a Catholic church. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. So um, my brother and I ended up in a lot of trouble. We laughed. It cropped up, especially when they passed that long altar plate with the stick on it. Mm -hmm. So my point of that is my parents decided it would be better if we didn't go to the Catholic church no more. Mm. So we started going to the Baptist church with my mother, which at the time was East Athens Baptist Church, which was at the end of Poplar Street, just up the road from Mama's Boy. Oh, yeah. And that's a church that I think later on R.E.M. actually purchased and turned it into like condominiums. Oh, cool. Yeah. But um, that's the church that I grew up in. Wow. My father owned a 
Shell Service Station in downtown Athens, down on West Broad Street. Okay. One day when I was about nine years old, I was down there helping when cars drove up, and this was, of course, service station. So we swept out the floorboards and cleaned the windshield mm -hmm. and checked the oil, the air, and the tires and pumped the gas. So car pulled up, and I went out to do those things, and out stepped a man that I recognized immediately as a priest. Hmm. And he began talking with me, introduced himself, said he was a new priest in town, and began to have a conversation. Where do you go to school? Where does your brother go to school? Where do you go to church? Oh, we go over to East Athens Baptist Church with my mother. I said, oh, you don't go to the Catholic Church with your father? No, sir, we don't go over there no more. Just having conversation, being honest and answering the man's questions, I had great mm -hmm. respect for. Little did I know that I was actually setting my father up for betrayal. Mm -hmm. Because from there, he went into the service station to pay for the gas, and I followed him in. And the priest said, um, I'm the new priest in town. I'm going through some forms in the office, and I saw one where you and your wife signed stating that you would raise your children in the Catholic faith. And I was mm -hmm. just outside talking to your son. And he told me, and I'm hearing all this and realizing, oh my God, I've just betrayed my father. Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize what was happening. So I kind of had that angst going on mm -hmm. in the moment, watching all of this unfold. So the priest banned my father from communion mm -hmm. until he could bring himself and his family in compliance with the paper that they had signed. Mm -hmm. Banning from communion was one step away from excommunication mm -hmm. from the church. That's pretty serious business yeah. for a Catholic. He had done well if he had stopped there, but he didn't. And as he was about to leave, he turned around and turned to my father and he said, by the way, if one of your two boys were to die tonight, you'd be responsible for them going to hell. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Horrific. So my father had a little bit of a temper, and that day it showed itself. Mm -hmm. That was not a pretty picture. Mm -hmm. But the point of telling that story is that here was a nine-year-old boy who every night would kneel down with the family, his brothers, mother, father, by the bedside, and speak our bedtime prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, dear Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray, dear Lord, my soul, you will take. Now the priest just added a whole level of fear mm. to that. If I should die before I wake, you see, because the priest just told me that if that happened, I was going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. And that was a pretty scary place for a young boy to be. Mm -hmm. So I realized early on that there was a great mystery attached to this business about God and mm -hmm. religion and spirituality. And I followed that, trying to figure that all out and understand it, all the way to Emory University's Candler School of Theology. Mm -hmm. 13 years in the mm -hmm. ordained ministry of the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. 
And one day, after 13 years, through some some personal trials and struggles towards the end, the dissolving of a marriage and the family and whatnot, a lot of hurt involved in that, uh, I, I walked away from the traditional church for many reasons, not all of which are pertinent to this conversation mm -hmm. today. And I realized early on in that journey that I have an opportunity to redefine the pulpit, so to speak. That I had an opportunity just out in the day in, day out stuff of life to have a unique ministry in and of itself apart from or without any attachment to the traditional church, just mm -hmm. to where the people are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so a whole new realm of ministry and possibility mm -hmm. opened up to me. And even though I was in a professional career for many years of marketing and advertising and sales, and then for many years here in business with my brother in Watkinsville, found myself face to face across the table, across the counter from people who were hurting, people who were in need, people who just needed conversation. Mm -hmm. One day, I happened to be enjoying food at a restaurant mm -hmm. over on the other side of town and this beautiful young lady was serving my food. <laughs> and here was another opportunity for ministry because Creator had put someone in front of me that was interested, like-minded, wanted to know more about me, and we had a nice talk, and that young lady was Victoria. Mm -hmm. And I made her aware of some ceremonies that we were doing, Native American ceremonies, some prayer gatherings. And Victoria expressed an interest in coming, and we exchanged phone numbers. Fast forward several years, now it's 2019. Mm -hmm. After a vision quest in 2015, in which I was given the vision to create the seventh generation Native American church, then spending a couple of years trying to set everything up from a legal perspective, we had a state recognized nonprofit corporation in Georgia and then going on to applying for federal 501c3 status with the Internal Revenue Service and all of that took a lot of time and mm -hmm. money. Putting together websites to yeah. promote the work in the church. A lot. Um, so we spent several years doing that. November of 2019, I gave Victoria a call, said we're having a prayer ceremony. Love for you to come. <clears throat> She showed up with, a, with one of your friends. Is it Maya? Mara. Mara. Yeah. I was living with her at the time. It was actually at Healing Path Farm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I almost showed up to that one, actually. Something I had heard about it on Facebook. Oh. And uh, we probably would have met a lot sooner had I, had I shown yeah. up. I, I had something come up. But it's, it's funny how that works. Mm hmm Maybe you weren't supposed to be at that time. Yeah. Maybe you weren't ready. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All things on time and in time. But anyway, we were po poised at the end of 2019 to move forward in a, in a pretty exciting way. We had uh, 
several ceremonies planned. We were going to be doing regular ceremonies for prayer with mm -hmm. the bite. We had weddings that were already on the calendar to officiate. I've had uh, connections with some folks up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we were going to be teaching classes about Native American history and culture to homeschool kids at a place called Reflection Riding up on Lookout Mountain. Mm. So 2020 promised to be a great year. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we all know that COVID visited us at that time and mm -hmm. everything just kind of came to a standstill. Yeah. I actually, during this time, was living in a camper, which I had purchased. And when COVID hit, I had a friend in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we made a decision that it would be best if we kind of rode this thing out in, in a house rather than in my little camper. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I spent the last three years in Chattanooga. In April, came back to visit my mother. She was 93 on Christmas Eve of this year. Mm -hmm. And um, take care of some other business matters. And one night I was sitting in a rented Airbnb when I got a text from somebody asking me if I'd ever have any interest in playing Native American music. Mm. And that text came from Victoria, mm. who I don't think you knew that I had spent the last three years in Chattanooga. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, and I don't think you even knew that I was here. It was just a random text, do you have an interest? And of course that opened up conversation, which quickly moved and escalated to your saying you wanted to speak with the man who handles the Wednesday night meditation and yoga about me coming to make a talk. Yeah. Well, at that time in the conversation, I didn't know that the man you were speaking about was J.C. Mm -hmm. J.C. and I have a history that preceded even that. I've been in several ceremonies, medicine ceremonies with J.C. and We've been in song circle together, so we have a little bit of a history there. Mm -hmm. Which again, at the time, one would say, well, that's kind of an interesting coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. I mm -hmm. just believe in moments of magic and miracles. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely what it felt like when you came back, you know, just so many things lining up together for you to be here. And... Exactly. Mm -hmm. you know, quickly. I mean, it was just like bam, 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 right, yeah. one right after the other. Mm -hmm. Because the next thing that came along was the uh, Healing Arts Festival that we had mm -hmm. here. Right. And then from there, uh, the invitation to come out and have ceremony with the fire at Wesley's mm -hmm. property. The point of that is, is that it soon became apparent that now was the time. Mm -hmm. And that this would be the place. And that's when I came and sat with the two of you and JC, and I just shared with you what is my, my vision. Mm -hmm. And that mission, um, you know, coming from the, the, the vision that Crazy Horse had, if you could just uh, relay that, what, you know, you have told us many times, and um, kind of a big part of why it's called the Southern Generation. Sure. That was all part of the Vision Quest in 2015. Vision Quest, which uh, was eight weeks in the making, and which culminated at a place called Hovenweep National Monument 
which is up in the Four Corners area. And um, again, some would say it's rather coincidental that I ended up in this area because it was not even on my, my radar, nowhere close. But Hovenweep is a place where 1,500 years ago there was a settlement of the Yanasazi, the southern end of the Chaco Canyon. Anasazi were the star people. They were considered the people from the stars. About a thousand years ago, they mysteriously vanished and disappeared. More conservative historians say they moved north and merged with the Puebloans. But those of us that are a little bit more spiritually inclined say no, they returned to the place from whence they came. And there are, there are a lot of guardians mm-hmm. in the celestial realm. But it was here at this Hovenweep National Monument, after three days of fasting and spending time in the desert, sunrise of the fourth morning, I was given a very clear vision that it's time now to take all of this, bring it back to Athens, and create a church community. And it would be called the seventh generation Native American church, because it was also at this vision at Hovenweep that I don't know if I can say I was reminded or I was introduced mm-hmm. to this vision of Crazy Horse, but nevertheless, it was um, at the center mm-hmm. of, of that vision in which September 1st of 1877, Crazy Horse was the sitting bull, four days before Crazy Horse was murdered. And they were praying together, and Crazy Horse had what has come known now to be the seventh generation vision or the seventh generation prophecy in which he said upon suffering beyond suffering the red nation will rise again and it shall be a blessing for a sick and a broken world a world of disillusionment a world of separation a world of broken promises a world longing for the light again And every time I tell this story, I always pause there and ask this question, does that sound remotely familiar to the world in which we live today? And just like now, there's always a resounding affirmation that yes, this is the world in which we live today. And Crazy Horse went on to say, I see a time of seven generations when all of the colors of mankind will gather and the sacred circle of life will become one again. And that day there will be those among our people who carry knowledge and wisdom of harmony and unity among all living things. And there will be the young ones who come hungry and they will ask for this wisdom. And in that interaction, that's when I began to see that my goodness, we're in, the, we're in that seventh generation, this generation of your age. You know, the first time you met me, you, you told me that story, and it always stayed, like, lingering in the back of my mind, and, you know, certain scenarios would come up, and I would kind of mention, you know, this guy Robert I met, he told me this, this prophecy, and um, now it's just so, so interesting to be, like, to have you here and have the church here and, um, you know, these, these cycles that come back around and you get to see a little bit more and a little bit deeper. And I know that, um, 
it's only just begun as well. Oh yeah. There, there's so much potential that that we have to to reach people, to help people, to teach people, mm-hmm. to be the um, to be that seventh generation in, emerging family. Uh, that generation that's going to restore, return, and, and reconcile this this broken world. This will be the generation that restores and brings that light to a world of darkness. And that's an exciting place to, to, to be, an exciting time to be mm-hmm. a part of. And for me, being on the elder side of that prophecy, to, to see it happening among you and the community that's developing here, I don't really have words for it. Mm-hmm. To say it's exciting, that doesn't do it justice. Yeah. To say it's humbling, that doesn't do it justice. To say it's an honor, it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. Hmm. We feel the same to have you here and JC and to see this uh, community rising up together with with shared values and um, it's always been a dream of mine to like find a church like this right where um, it obviously has the emphasis uh, on Native American wisdom and and history uh, but is also very open to all religious paths and, and recognizing that they're really all the same and it reminds me of the uh i guess what would you call it a mission statement or a, a well how would you uh it, it's interesting that you you brought that up because i've been working oh cool on, on that great we and what's the latest trash came <laughs> out <laughs> let's see if so um, for those of you that don't know, we hold a Sunday service every Sunday, um, and Robert leads, and JC also helps out, and he plays a lot of music, and they both, you know, share passages and songs and um, just just wisdom from many walks of life, many religions, and. Um, while having, you know, the emphasis on, on um, unity and, and um, worship. And all. all of the things that Crazy Horse foresaw that would happen in the seventh generation, that all of the cars of mankind would gather together. We've had that represented here in the community. Mm-hmm. Emerging. <clears throat> Multi- dimensional, multifaceted, multiracial, multi-everything. Yeah. And the emphasis on uh, the, the last part of the the um, the prophecy where it says, you know, when I see that, when that space in you and you see that space in me and, you know, we see that space in everything and in every religion and every walk of life. Um, I'm just so grateful to have, you know, um, yeah, just a community and a group of individuals who can can share that openness with each other. And it's something really special. And 
Um, yeah, I'm just so grateful and excited to watch it grow. Mm, me too. <clears throat> this is what I've been working on, uh, Nick, is a, in the traditional church, it would be called an affirmation of faith. Mm -hmm. uh, the traditional church, there were several creeds, the one of the more popular ones being the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. And that in the liturgy of their service, there's a statement of what we believe mm -hmm. as a faith community. The one that I have created with the contribution of several of our, our church family is this. <clears throat> we believe in one God, that which is known by many names, to whom there are many paths, creator of the universe, the heaven and earth, and all that dwells within. We affirm that by the share and the sacred breath of the creator, we in all things are related in the sacred circle of life. We acknowledge the sanctity of all beings and all things, animate and inanimate. We accept our mutual and shared responsibility to our sacred mother, the earth, to protect and preserve her gifts and her resources. Aho, o metakele olasi. I love I love the new addition since I last heard it. That's really beautiful. And I feel like that kind of covers the whole thing. You know, it mm -hmm. covers our relationship with the Creator. Mm -hmm. It covers our relationship with each other, mm -hmm. and it covers our relationship with the Earth. Oh yeah, with the Sacred Mother. Mm -hmm. And people ask often, well, what does the word "aho" mean, and what does the "o matakwe oasi" mean? Those are Lakota words, by the way, and aho is a word of agreement, much like someone in the church today may use amen. Not uncommon when we sit in prayer for someone to finish their prayer and another one say aho, which is an amen, or brother, behold, I stand with you, I'm agreeing with you. Mitakule, oasi, literally translates to my relatives. Someone would come into the village that was greedy with, oh, Matakiwe Awesome, my relatives are here. But as is the case with so much Native American spirituality, we understand that there's so much more of that. And again, as reflected in that statement of faith, by virtue of the shared sacred breath of the Creator, we realize that we're all related, mm -hmm. not just the two legged or those that look like us, speak like us dress like us, think like us, mm -hmm. behave like us, mm -hmm. but all things, all people, the bird people, the mm -hmm. four legs, the people of the water, people in the air, tree people, the rock people. Because mm -hmm. when Creator spoke all that into being, seven days later, according to the story in the book, he had this brilliant idea to make you and you and me. And that same breath, spoke all of that other stuff into being is the same breath that was breathed and spoken into you. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of that, we're all related in this sacred circle of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's too at the heart of the message of the church. 
But we're not as different as we imagine that we are, or worse yet, that we would talk that we are. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, the seven sacred teachings that you go through, that's kind of the finale of it, you know, the finale of what Crazy Horse said. It's really just being able to to open our mind and our hearts to the fact that we are all here together and, you know, that um, finding that, that space to, to love and accept all parts of ourselves, you know, all parts of, of the creation, and, mm. um, all, all beings. Mm. The oneness of it all. It really is that simple, and, and it really it, it's so sad to see so many in the world blinded by divisiveness and, and fundamentalism that, you know, anyone who's not of this path, they're all going to hell. Exactly. And, and it's uh, really destructive to the bonds that, you know, ought to unite humanity, that we're all a part of this great mystery. and. We're all um, worthy of, of respect and love and support. Well, you know, the, a lot of religion today and a lot of religious expressions and experiences all seem, seem to focus on sin, what we've done wrong, mm-hmm. and what we deserve or what are our consequences as a result of that sin. I was reading in preparation for today's message, and I wish I could find it now. Maybe we can edit this and we can get it later. But there's a verse of scripture. I think my timer's going off. It's saying that it's about 30 minutes. It's okay. We can can keep going. In Proverbs, and it just jumped out to me, I'd never seen this before, where the verse says, and love is the greatest atonement for sin. Mm. Thank you. Now we've talked about the concept of sin before in the church and how really it's just, we try and we miss the mark, Mm -hmm. right? But the traditional church would have you believe or have you think that we somehow need to be saved from all of that. But as you're saying right here, and it's reflected in that scripture that just jumped at me, it says love is the greatest atonement. Mm-hmm. And there's no accident then that love is the seventh of the seven sacred teachings. It's mm-hmm. that place of arrival, if you will, of the preceding seven teachings. Humility, honesty, courage, truth, wisdom are just processes or steps of the returning the restoration and the reconciliation Mm -hmm. of things through the process and through the practice of love, Mm -hmm. which is that place, again, Mm -hmm. where Crazy Horse said, when you are there and I am there, then we shall be as one. And as I understand it, that's what's at the heart the gospel, that's what that's the heart of, of the lessons, the teachings of, of all spiritual, great spiritual beings throughout generations, yeah. throughout history. Beautifully said. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. 
this reminds me, you know, the, the, um, prior to, to reconnecting with you or meeting you, um, I had a big phase, like two or three years where I was, um, reading all about, um, per the perennial philosophy. I'm sure you've maybe heard that or, or, uh, heard of Aldous Huxley and, and his writings about it, but it's really a, a much more ancient tradition, you know, that kind of unites all the schools of mysticism throughout the world, mm -hmm. which are sort of the antithesis of like the fundamentalist of, of every religion, the ones that are saying, oh, ours is the only path. Yeah. And all others, you know, smite them, you know, for yeah. their deceit, their deception or their yeah. Yeah. heresies, you know. Um, and I, I just really love... Uh, I've also, you know, had a lot of time spent in Peru with, with Native American healers, Native South American healers. And uh, it, to me, it's just the, um, like, I couldn't imagine a more perfect synthesis of all the, the paths that I've studied and, and walked with throughout life to see them all sort of coalesce here mm -hmm. with you and, and to see that Native American container for it but also um you know we read from scripture from many different religions sure uh, and uh help people understand how these are just many different ways of saying the same thing mm -hmm. and uh i believe that message um could you know can set the world free no doubt yeah in fact of the matter i think that's the only message that can set us free the only message that can ultimately individually heal ourselves yeah. is a race of, of broken people. Yeah. You stop and think about, we're living in the year almost 2023, and right now there, there are wars raging throughout this world. And prejudice, bias, these things are at the heart of, of divisiveness politically, religiously, on every front. Never, that really, in the time, I think, of human history has it been as severe as it is today. And we need this now more than ever. We need to be able to put aside our biases and our prejudices, our ideas that somehow, if you think or feel differently than how I think or feel, then somehow you are to be feared. Mm -hmm. Somehow you are to be, you are my enemy. And by virtue of that, I'm left with a choice of either I have to change you, convert you, remove you, and if I'm unsuccessful with either of those three, then I need to kill you. Mm. That was the approach to the Native American. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, accepting all experiences all perceptions and welcoming welcoming them in to you know be able to see um let that guide us home you know let that let that guide us to um to accepting all accepting all beings all sides of them and i think that's what love's all about it is yeah. having healthy conversations <laughs> well how can how can we find you and keep up with you and 
What's the website again? Well, we have two websites. Okay. I have a, a personal website that talks about my story and some of the things that I do and have done and can do now from either a teacher's role or counselor's role. Or... By the way, Robert did um, hold a wedding ceremony for us, and it was absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. So, highly I... recommend. <laughs> Yeah. Very special. Yeah. My uh, personal website is robertblackeagle.com. And the church has a website, Seventh Generation Native American Church.org. That's a seven spelled out as a word. It's all, right? all, all the words. There are no numbers. No. That's uh, all words, Seventh Generation Native American Church.org. Great. Then we have a Facebook page for the church. Mm -hmm. And right now we have about 900 people that are following that page, which is kind of an interesting thing because I see that, you know, our outreach is not just limited to this geography of Athens, Georgia. We're really literally attracting people all over the world. I have the ability to do, um, see the analytics of our websites and where people are, are finding us and literally is all over, all over the world. It is amazing. So we have the church page on Facebook. It's the Seventh Generation Native American Church. And then we have contact forms on both websites and ways of reaching out to us on the websites. Or you can catch us on Sunday. Yeah, you can catch us on Sunday. That's right. 11 a.m. every Sunday. 11-11. Yeah. We gather at 11. It's kind of interesting that when we first started doing this, that first Sunday, when we seemed to move to that moment where we were about to enjoy music, it, it was 11 11. And oh, just something right. kind of magical about mm -hmm. those, those numbers. And yeah. it kind of kept it. It just always seems to have, like, just organically yeah. happen yeah. and start at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also want to, uh, to say, express my very deep gratitude and appreciation to the both of you for making this space uh, available you know, for the church and for your amazing generosity and hospitality. Sorry. None of this, we couldn't be where we are today if it, if it weren't for the two of you and I'm very grateful. For it's an that. honor and a privilege for sure. Yeah, we're all in this together. And yeah, I do, you know, make some food afterwards and we like to commune and um, so yeah, it's a fun Sunday. We like to have drum circles afterwards and stuff. So check us out. Yeah. Well, amazing. One of the amazing things to me is that after, you know, we finish the service, nobody seems to want to leave. Yeah. People hang yeah. out for a while. People just hang out. I'm really glad it's uh, it's been able to really... It's like been a nice glue that's been keeping yeah. everyone together and yep. keeping everyone kind of focused and just a nice marker to just every once a week, you know, yeah. coming together, eating together, you know, yeah. holding space for, for prayer together. And yeah, even if like you don't believe in God or anything, I feel like that is really a big part of the the medicine and and 
the magic of a church. Mm-hmm. It's really just about bringing a community together sure. um, and sharing love and communion and food and fellowship. And, you know, we welcome people of all faiths or no faith at all to come and just uh, be joyous and, and sing songs with us. Well, see, the, these are the things that, that Jesus, Christ, and even Buddha, and many, many, a host of other religious or spiritual teachers, at the heart of it, Jesus sums it up himself over in Matthew chapter 25 where he says the business about the kingdom people is feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, taking care of the poor. And he, and he, and he told those who were doing those things who were kind of astonished because they looked around and said you know jesus said well you know you've done these things unto me and they didn't know and he said well i say when you've done these to any of these the least of these my brethren you've done them likewise unto me so that's where we start really living out the embodiment of that christ spirit and he also told us that there's no uh, this commandment that i give you a new commandment is that you love one another as I've loved you. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all kind of comes yeah. full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely giving those things with love too, not with, you know, resentment or, you know. Or another agenda. Yeah, exactly. Or a hook attached to mm-hmm. it. I like that addition to the end because, yeah. you know, it's like we can give um, how do we give, you know, fully and, um, with love? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for joining us. Um, hope to have you back someday. I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep these podcasts going. It's, oh, and we're also going to, um, release... Robert's album soon. Oh yeah, so, we look forward to doing some recordings with you. Mm-hmm. That would be lovely. And for our listeners, we have a, a live performance from today's service where you can listen to Robert playing. And mm-hmm. um, we hope you enjoy. The album that I'm wanting to put together is I've written, uh, composed musical pieces that correspond with each of the major themes mm-hmm. of my my vision quest of 2015. And so part of my vision with that is to be able to bring people together and tell the story as we've done somewhat here of how we got to be here. Mm-hmm. And then have some music attached to the story as well. Yeah. Right well, now. We're, we're, we look forward to helping you with yeah, that. Yeah, me too. So it's a musical interpretation of, of the vision quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel the power of, of your experiences through the music when you, when you perform it. So keep in touch and look out for that. Um, so thank you. Thank you.
Well, that about wraps it up. Um, once again, Robert Black Eagle, check him out uh, online.com or Seventh Generation Native American Church.org. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about Rabbit Hole Studios and all the fun events and opportunities that you can find here, uh, check out rabbitholestudios.org. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Rabbit Hole Fellowship, and where we got Facebook and Twitter, Rabbit Hole, D-A-O, Dow. So thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.